just showing me that to get help from people that know those things. So that's something that you have always done and kind of taught me is like people know how to do those things already. Um, so just getting help from the people that are good at those things. I agree with that. I mean, I've said this so many times, but I think the reason why my first business was successful was because I was so ignorant when it came to business. Like mm -hmm. I was a plumber from the field. I find myself running this business and I don't know anything about marketing, accounting, you know, office administration, nothing. And yeah. so I literally was forced to find the best of the best. Are you looking for freedom? Freedom from the daily grind and hustle? Or just finding a way to live the life you always wanted? Then join us on the Investing for Freedom podcast. Our host, Mike Ayala, will help you discover new ways to find freedom with tips, insights, and interviews. You'll learn the exact systems he's used to travel the world and live his best life. True success and happiness are all about freedom. And here's your roadmap on how to find freedom on your own terms. Welcome to the Investing for Freedom podcast. Here's your host, Mike Ayala. Thank you for joining me on the Investing for Freedom podcast. Today, we have a returning guest. You've been on the show, right? Yeah. I thought so. Uh, Mr. Dylan Ayala, who not only is one of the greatest professional wake surfers in the country, in the world, um, he's also one of my two favorite sons. Um, <laughs> Dylan, thanks for being on the show. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's going to be fun. And I want to say before we get into it, um, you and I are hosting a father-son, we call it a mastermind, mm -hmm. but it's really just an amazing trip to Lake Powell. Um, we're going to get into that a little bit. But I wanted to say right out the gate, um, if you have a son who is between the ages of 10 and 18, and you want to join Dylan and I on the amazing Lake Powell, we'll be on a houseboat for three days. Uh, we'll be wake surfing. We'll be just hanging out at one of the most beautiful places in the world. Text the word mastermind to 480-531-7519 and come join Dylan and I. But anyway, Dylan, um, what's new? Oh, just uh, it's summer now. so. I've been wake surfing more. It's been pretty windy the last few weeks, so I haven't gotten out too much the last like week or two. But before that, I was riding a, a lot. And yeah, I've been wake surfing a lot, coaching a lot. And yeah, just really wake surfing. It's fun. And you and a good friend of yours recently launched your own podcast. Yep. Wake Surfology. We just talk about wake surfing on it. It's super fun. Me That's and cool. Jake. That's awesome. Well, Obviously, you know, it's, it's been fun having you in my life as a, as a son and now as a friend and as a coach, Yeah, <laughs> like you coach me a lot on wake surfing, which is super cool. But I wanted to just get you back on the show and really talk about your journey because this is the Investing for Freedom podcast. And um, I think it'd just be fun for the audience to kind of hear your journey and where you've come from and just some of the things that you're working on, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for having so me. So how'd you get started in wake surfing? Um, so I got started, like the first time I ever tried wake surfing was in like 2015, maybe 2016. But what really got me into it is when we went to Florida on like a cruise and um, I went ocean surfing there. And I really loved ocean surfing, but we lived in Nevada at the time. So I didn't, I wasn't able to go ocean surfing. So I was like, the next best thing would be wakeboarding or wake surfing. So I tried that same summer, I tried wakeboarding first, and I liked wakeboarding a lot, and then I tried wake surfing too, and that's when I really got into it. You know, this is a lesson for the dads in, in my audience because I bought a boat in 2011. We were actually on a cruise 
in 2011 to Alaska with some friends when we were, when mom and I were buying the boat. Oh, really? Yeah. So I bought this boat. It was for Father's Day. It was June, <laughs> um, I think of 2011. And I remember as you guys were growing up and you were pretty little then, but I bought the boat kind of selfishly because, I mean, I think most dads probably do this. We say, hey, you know, we want to get a boat so that our family's together. And, but really, I think I love the boat more than, than you did. And so here's the lesson for dads. Like, I remember one time being on the lake and I was like, if you guys don't, you know, start doing stuff, then I'm going to sell the boat. And, and you and your brother and sister were like, we don't care, sell it. Yeah. But then in your own time, like on your own journey, mm-hmm. you fell in love with wake surfing. Yeah. So I think as a parent, you know, and I wasn't trying to get you to become a wake surfer, but I think it just, you know, when we try to force things on our kids, mm-hmm. it's, it's really can be damaging and we need to like really let them, if I had forced you more, in, which I tried a couple of times, but if I had forced you more, you might not even have found your, you know, your passion and your purpose. Yeah. Yeah. That's very true. Yeah. I see a lot of like dads trying, I mean, not a lot, but specifically in like wakeboarding, they'll push their kids super hard. And like wakeboarding is even more dangerous. Like you can get hurt wakeboarding. And Mm -hmm. there's this one kid specifically who's super young and he gets pushed super hard. And I just, I feel like he won't love it his whole life just because his dad pushes him so hard. And you see it in like motocross too. Like when we were growing up in motocross, like there's like the moto dads because I think they invest a lot of money in their kids. And so it's like, it takes the fun out of it maybe, but I don't know. Yeah, they invest the money and then, it's like they want their kid to go, do good, like out of being like a good father, but it kind of pushes them away from what they love. Yeah. So you got into wake surfing. How, um, and I'll just say this for the audience that doesn't know. I mean, you you got into wake surfing. I'll, I'll let you kind of talk about the journey, but ultimately you ended up being number one in the world in men's semi-pro and you were top five in the world in men's pro division mm-hmm. and you've coached all over the world. We'll, we'll get into some of that. But from you know, that first ocean surfing to, uh, enjoying it on the lake. How did you get into professional surfing? Yeah. Um, so like, I, I really loved wake surfing and I didn't necessarily think that there would maybe be a opportunity to do it as like a career, but yeah, I really loved it. And like, as I got more into it, I kind of saw that there could be a career. Um, but I wasn't necessarily like striving for that at first. I was just doing it because I loved it. And, um, But yeah, so like we moved to Arizona and I tried, we went on a boat demo and tried a G23 and like luckily enough, two of like some of the best wake surfers in the world were on that boat and like one of them was a girl and then the other one was uh, Mike Escorza and he, he has some of like my favorite style ever and he kind of just like got on the water. So did she and like I saw them wake surf and she like introduced me. She was like saying that there's a competition coming up and she's also a coach. So I started taking lessons from her. And then from there, I just kind of took it step by step and like kind of eased into it. And from there, just really fell in love and started doing it every day. You know, it's interesting. And I obviously know the whole story now and we'll again, we'll get into it with the audience, but it's, it's interesting how, you know, with the right, um, attitude, curiosity, um, just outlook, you said it a minute ago, like you didn't realize that you could do it professionally. Mm -hmm. You just wanted to have some fun, but not only have you become a professional competitor, but you've turned it into a business. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, so like from, from the beginning, I was 
just watching videos over and over of like just constantly absorbing absorbing like information about wake surfing and trying to learn as much as I could about it um and then like eventually I kind it kind of all fell into place but that was just after repetition of like just surrounding myself with wake surfing and just that was all that I thought about um but from there the way I turned it into a business was so I turned pro I was semi-pro my senior year of high school and that was the year that I won worlds and from there I never really wanted to go to school but I needed to get like a job or something that um would allow me to keep on like doing wake surfing and you told me I could either go get a job or try and make something out of wake surfing but I could always come back and get a job but I couldn't come back and be a wake surfer like where I was at that point. So I chose wake surfing and started, uh, um, lessons like in-person lessons. And it was really hard at first to like get clients and stuff. And I remember going to like boat shows and like giving away free, like tickets to get like a free lesson from me. And I would hand them out and like, nobody even came and got like a free lesson. And it's kind of funny now because like, if I were to give that away now, most of those people would come. Yep. So it's just like repetition and yeah, like keeping doing things every day. You know, you were talking earlier about the moto dads and, um, you know, they obviously invest a lot of money and, and then it gets challenging. And there's been a couple of times too, where, um, you know, I've watched you get frustrated and, um, I, you know, even recently, I feel like you, you, you went through a season of time where you didn't love wake surfing as much because it was about the business. Mm-hmm. And, and I feel like, you know, I think my audience will relate to this because when we think about wake surfing, you're like, <laughs> there's a part of me that wants to like, we think, oh, your job's wake surfing and you don't love it. Like it's challenging, but there's so many people that are probably listening to the podcast right now, whether it's, you know, an HVAC company or whether it's building cabinets or whether it's wake surfing, like usually we start a business because we're passionate about it, but then it can easily get into this area where it's like, we're frustrated and we're burnt out. And do you have some like lessons around that where there's been periods of time where you burned out and what did you do to, to kind of re-engage and stay with it? Um, yeah, I definitely burn out still a lot too. Um, but it's like during the winter, I don't really have like that much to do as much as like I do in the summer. So it's a a lot of like a lot of business in the summer and then it kind of like slows down in the winter. So it's kind of, it's harder in the summer because I just have so much going on and like traveling becomes more and everything just kind of happens at once. And then during the winter, it's like super slow and it's like an off season. But um, like you were saying, when I kind of burnt out, um, it was kind of like my first, second year in pro. And I was like, I went from being like just a competitor to trying to be a competitor and make a business out of it. So it was like my time was divided and I had to put more into being like making the business work because that's how I was supporting myself. And um, yeah, so I was really focused on the business part of it. And that's what kind of made me burn out. I wasn't taking time for myself to like ride for myself anymore. It was just to make money and to it, it became a job really like it was a business, but it was just like a job for me. You know, we were just on a, I just got off a call with um, my Freedom Elite community, 
which by the way, if you're interested in joining that, we have some amazing conversations. Text the word elite to 480-531-7519. Would love to have you in that community. But we were just on a call where one of the members took over. His name's Brooks and he's got this amazing story. And we were kind of talking about that. You know, a lot of times it's this natural flow and tendency where when we start a business or whatever it is we're doing, it's really not about the money. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, we you get a boat and you get trucks and you've got bills and you've got insurance and you've got a slip you got to pay for or, you know, whatever the case is with your business. Um, and then it becomes about the money. And so we go in these seasons where we have to like kind of recommit and, and, and recenter back to, you know, why are we doing this and, and what's the importance? And so it's not just wake surfing. It really happens in any business that we get into. We get lost in the hiring and the money and the loans and the equipment and all the costs. And then we always have to come back to like recentering, like, why are we doing this? So what are some of the ways that you like get yourself out of that funk? Um, I'm not positive. I still go through it a lot. Um, but really like when I'm the most happy is when I'm wake surfing myself. So like making sure to keep wake surfing because wake surfing is expensive. Like for every hour you got to pay for gas and to get there. So like in the past I would not wake surf to maybe try and save money Mm -hmm. or save time, whatever it was. But it ended up hurting me in the long run because I wasn't taking time for myself. So I was getting like um, kind of upset, not not necessarily knowing why. And it was just because I was so focused on trying to make the business side of it work. But like I wasn't happy myself. You know, it doesn't really matter what the business is. Like I, as you're saying that, um, one of my mentors, Ken McElroy, always says that sales solves all problems in business. And what naturally happens when we go into like a recession or or, you know, business gets challenging, we tend to cut costs. And so what we'll do is like, we'll cut marketing costs or, or we'll want to lay people off. Like, and a, a lot of times the people that we want to lay off are like, you know, salespeople or marketing people or whatever it is. And a lot of times we, we go into this money saving mode that actually costs us in the long run. So again, it's not just wake surfing it, it applies in any business, but it's so hard when you're, when you're in that zone, like sometimes you don't even know you said it. You didn't even know why you were frustrated, but mm-hmm. you'd lost your love for the sport yeah. because you were so focused on working mm-hmm. and then trying to save money that you weren't doing what you loved about it. Yeah, for sure. So there is some other things that you've done. Um, you've got courses, online courses. Um, you still coach one-on-one in person. Mm-hmm. But the thing that I've realized about your business long-term, um, and I won't put words in your mouth, but if the thing that you love is writing. Yeah. What are some of the things that you've done in order to like diversify your income? Yeah. So I've created a online course. Um, I built that in 2021 is my first one that I built and yeah, it's called 1.0 wake surf school 1.0. And that's a course where like I teach everything from the basic fundamentals to 360s and airs because everybody wants to learn like a 360 or an air, but there's so much more that you need to learn before that um, to be able to do those tricks. So I created that so that people could really progress like step by step. That's something that I wish I would have had. Um, so yeah, I created that course. And then from there, I created a 2.0 one that picked up where that one left off and went all the way to like alley-oops and air 180s. 
And then from there, I created a community uh, where people can come and get coaching. We have like a monthly call and then I have uh, monthly classes in there too. Um, so yeah, those are like three different avenues that I can make money online. And I've built those into funnels like through YouTube from like if somebody watches a 360 tutorial or an air, then it's like they can get a free like guide to constant progression. And then it puts them on an email list. With, and then that's under like a funnel that automatically sends out the next day for like five days and pitches them my course. So if somebody wants that, whether it's for themselves, which by the way, I got a text the other day, I screenshot it and sent it to you. A good friend of mine who runs a private equity company that he sent me a message and he's like, dude, your son's one of the best teachers in the world. I've been watching his videos. It's helping me land my 360 or something. So I was going to say, like, if one of my listeners or the audience wants to buy, like, you know, one of these courses or something for their kids, but really probably more of your audience, people are there taking your courses are adults. Yeah, for sure. Adults. Yeah. It's pretty wild. Yeah. Where can they find it? Uh, just wakesurfschool.com. Cool. Um, so I want to kind of shift gears a little bit because, um, obviously you're, you know, my son and I'm proud of you and, um, it's awesome. But I think your story, how old are you? 23. I wasn't asking that because I didn't know. I just wanted for the audience. Mm -hmm. Um, so you're 23 years old. Um, you've built this business. So I'm curious, I hear this a lot. You know, I'm in a lot of organizations with guys that have young kids and I get a lot of feedback or I hear people saying a lot, like they don't want their kids on social media. They don't want their kids on their phone too much, mm -hmm. YouTube. And by the way, I'm not saying, you know, if your kid's six or seven or 12 or whatever, I'm not here to say whether they should or shouldn't. But I often sit back and think, I look at you, I look at your brother, Tim, who's actually editing this podcast and here with us in the room. And I look at, you know, the things that you guys have done. Yeah. You specifically, you've, you've built these online courses, you've built a following on YouTube, Instagram. Um, a, a lot of this stuff wouldn't exist. Yeah. If you didn't have your online audience. So what do you say, what do you say to parents that are like scared of the future when it comes to technology, social media, Facebook, et cetera? Yeah, I think um, maybe they're scared because of what they're doing on social media. Or um, I think if you set a good example of how you use social media, because I've seen it be detrimental to people and even to myself, like I could spend a lot of time on social media. And if you don't set boundaries, which I think everybody needs to learn how to do, um, but I think it comes from the parents like setting boundaries for themselves because if they're if they see their parents on their phone all day and then they're telling them that they can't be on their phone, it doesn't really make sense. But I think it can be a tool, uh, but it could be a good one or a bad one. It could be very detrimental to a lot of people's mental health. I think I think it's also could be a big problem. Um, but it is there, and to hide it is kind of dumb to do. I think if you teach them boundaries and how to use it, maybe, then that's a better choice than telling them just to not use it. Because it's just, it's easy to sit on your phone all day and to be on social media all day. But um, yeah, I mean, it's good and bad. Yeah, no, I agree. Because it's like, you know, we talk about this a lot as a family and, and your mom and I have these conversations. But really, if we can learn to be creators and not consumers, 
as much as possible. I think that's the trick. And I don't think that social media is the enemy. I mean, there's a, there's a meme that I saw a long time ago where, um, it was like, it had the, the subway and there's all these people on their phone. Right. Yeah. And the meme was like, we don't connect anymore as a society, but then there was a picture of a subway from the fifties and there was just a bunch of guys with newspapers. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I don't think social media is necessarily the enemy. Um, and even that, like being a creator, who are the people that are successful in the world? on social media and the outside of social media, there are people that learn to create and not consume. One of the issues and why Dave Ramsey is so successful and popular is because people are consumers. We yeah. spend too much money mm-hmm. instead of learning to create, to make more money and out earn the problem. Well, it's the same thing. And I've watched you with this on social media. We just need to fall into the creator camp. Yeah. The more we can create and get our message out there, the more important that could be. And so do you agree with that? Yeah, I definitely agree. I think if you're creating, then you're like creating something, obviously. But yeah, if you're consuming all day and like with social media, too, I think a lot of people just show the highlights and what's good. So maybe a lot of people compare themselves to people's best posts or best videos, whatever that is. So it's just like understanding that it's not all about the highlights and what's best. So on that creator versus consumer mentality, obviously, every single person that's listening to this, their kids are not all going to want to be, you know, creators on social media, etc. And I don't think everybody should. Mm-hmm. I fully believe that there's a day coming. Well, it's actually here already, where any business that you have, you should have some awareness or presence on social media. But for my audience, and again, I don't think I have, you know, most of most of my audience isn't teenagers, like wanting to build a a brand or whatever on um, social media. But some advice maybe for the parents. One of the things that I think your mom and I maybe did well was we never really, or at least we tried, maybe I, I shouldn't assume that, but we tried not to put our goals and things that we wanted for you guys on you. What we tried to really pay attention to, you brought up the motocross and we tried to really like look at what you guys were interested in and rally around you with that. So what advice do you have for maybe the dads that are listening that their kids do show interest in maybe being a creator? Because again, not everybody's going to want to be a creator. What were some of the ways that you learned how to you know build? Because it's a foreign language. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and anything that we ever did, you guys always supported us, like whether it's motocross or um, sports, you were always there at every sporting event. Um, but just like not necessarily giving advice during those events, like you would just support us 100%, like sign us up for like when I was doing motocross for a week long camp that would help me learn those things because I showed interest in it. And then from there, like with wake surfing, you got me support in the areas that I needed with wake surfing specifically in the beginning, like getting coaching. And then like from there, like you, you kind of showed me a path of like, I was already interested in photography and video and um, like doing YouTube and stuff like that. And then from there, like just showing me that to get help from people that know those things. So that's something that you have always done and kind of taught me is like people know how to do those things already. Um, So just getting help from the people that are good at those things. I agree with that. I mean, I've said this so many times, but I think the reason why my first business was successful was because I was so ignorant when it came to business. Like Mm -hmm. I was a plumber from the field. I find myself running this business and I don't know anything about marketing, 
accounting, you know, office administration, nothing. And so I literally was forced to find the best of the best. And I've watched you with that too. Like, you're just really curious. You've always been that way, by the way. Like, I mean, even when you were little, you were just always asking questions about everything, but you're curious, number one, but number two, like you have studied the best of the best on YouTube. And, you know, when you wanted to do Kajabi, you found Graham Mm -hmm. and learned Kajabi from him. It's, um, so just remaining curious, I think. And, and to kind of put a bow on that, what I'm hearing you say is if your kid shows interest, maybe help them find the people that have already gone and done the thing that they're looking to do. Yeah. Cause when I really love something, like I will obsess about it. Like it's all that I think about and all that I, like I become like that thing. Um, so like it's if they love it, if they're wanting to do that, because I mean, like with school or whatever it was, like I never did good in school. Like I had like a 1.6 GPA in school and like I didn't do good in school. And I it's just because I didn't love that. But like when I find something that I love, I just completely like obsess about it and get so into it. Um, but like having support from parents, from family, from friends is always really nice. So yeah, just supporting them. You know, and you bring up such a great point too. And I think this is a more common conversation today than it was even five years ago. But I can say what I heard you say, and I can say this as a parent, you were a horrible student in school, Mm -hmm. but you are an amazing student. Mm -hmm. Like I've watched you be like study the heck out of something when you're passionate about it. By the way, I was a horrible student as well. So I'm not, I'm not like projecting that on you. That's what I heard you say. You just didn't like school, but when you like something, you are actually an amazing student. Mm -hmm. And I'm the same way. Like I hated school, but I'm an amazing student. When I want to learn something, I'm all in on that. And so, you know, just kind of mirroring that back, I think one of the greatest things that a parent can do is really find out what their kid is interested in and then help them get the education around that. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that's like honestly the best feeling ever is when you're obsessed about something and like love something. It's hard to find, but when you do find that, that feeling is better than like anything else. And like, I think a lot of people don't have that feeling because they're following like society's footsteps of like go to school, get a job. And like, obviously they're happy because they get some, they get paid, they can support their family, but like they're not happy like with themselves and like what they're doing. So it's, it's hard because like, it's hard to take a step out and do something that's maybe risky, but it will make you so much happier. I love it. What does freedom mean to you? Um, just being able to do whatever I want, really. Um, I would like to just be able to eat whatever I want, go wherever I want, surf whenever I want, just do whatever I want, really. I love it. Um, I have to ask two sides of this question, really. Um, for the audience, since I have you on here, and I didn't prep you for any of these questions, um, so if you need a minute, that's fine. But I'd like you to share with the audience, and again, my audience is not really you know kids and teenagers, it's dads. Mm-hmm. Um, what are maybe one or two things that your mom and I did right as parents? And maybe some things that you would advise maybe different. And I'm putting you on the spot because I've never asked you the question of maybe some things we could have done better. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe we were perfect. I don't know. But yeah. Um, 
what you guys did right, I think, um, I mean, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier. Just you guys always supported us in whatever we did. That's, yeah, probably the best thing that a parent could do. Obviously, I'm not a parent, so I don't know what that's like. But, yeah, just being feeling supported by your parents is awesome. And then something that I would change, I really don't know. Cool. <laughs> that's great. We were perfect. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You know, I, I think this brings up a... Um, and I, I actually, that's why I kind of prefaced the question with, you know, I didn't prep you for these questions. Um, obviously we made mistakes along the way, but I think the one thing that, you know, mom and I are proud of and, and that we can say is like, um, just being present mm-hmm. and like growing together. And I think one thing that has always been pretty good in our family is we have open communication. Like yeah. we talk about a lot of stuff. And so, you know, I, I didn't know if there was going to be something negative. You've never really shared anything negative about parenting. But I think the fact that we have open and honest conversations with our kids, I think is super important because yeah. then we don't anchor on and focus on the negative things because we're allowed to adjust and change as we go through it. So, yeah, I think another thing that's really cool, too, that you guys do still to this day is like treat me and all of my siblings equal. Like you, you can tell that there's no like favoritism or anything I don't think maybe you could love a kid more than the other but like I think that creates there's no like jealousy in our family like I'm never jealous of like Tim or Kate and and I think that comes back to you treating us all as equal and um like like you said having open conversations and not hiding anything from like each other like you're not talking about me behind my back to Tim or talking to me about Tim behind his back um, like you're always, you're never like talking about our other siblings or even mom. Like I've never seen you talk bad about mom, like behind her back and same goes for mom. Like I, obviously you guys probably talk, but like that's with each other. You don't ever bring that into the family. So that's mm-hmm. pretty cool. So it's, there's never like any jealousy in our family or any, um, like, I don't know how to explain it, but th- not much fighting. Yeah. Well, I think that's the key with open communication, because if you just, if you just communicate through the problem, then there's no reason to like backdoor it. Oh, like your mom said this and your mom said that. And, you know, I I think there is so many families that are broken because of that. It's brilliant that you actually see that and point it out because I think I remember one of my favorite, uh, he's actually a worship leader. His name is Jason Upton, but he made this comment at the beginning of one of the songs years ago. He said that most broken relationships are just misunderstanding. Mm-hmm. And I think there's so many broken relationships today that are truly just misunderstanding because if they would have just talked through the problem, yeah, it probably wasn't even a problem. But mm-hmm. then after weeks and weeks and weeks and months and months and months of, you know, talking to multiple people and make the problems just get bigger and bigger. Mm-hmm. And so the reality is like, even though it's uncomfortable sometimes to have, you know, the forward conversations, you just have them. And I think that's a great lesson for parents that are listening because I mean, I know we've had conversations about abortion or, you know, politics or whatever. We let you guys think for yourself, mm-hmm. but it doesn't mean that we're not giving you our opinion, Yeah. but also it doesn't mean that my opinion has to be your opinion. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's awesome because we obviously have our, our own opinions as humans and like a parent might want their kid to have that same opinion because they made them and it's like, their lineage and but yeah it's cool because you guys let us have our own opinions and like think for ourselves yeah and you can't control each other like it's just part of the deal 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, this has been a great conversation and um, it's been really fun just kind of watching you on your journey, but then also take that thing that you find passion around and joy and turn that into something greater. So um, what's maybe one or two of your favorite memories, accomplishments on your wake surfing journey? I just love like being able to wake surf every day. I think like that's my biggest, biggest accomplishment is being able to do that. Um, like I remember when I first started when obviously we had the Moomba, like me and my friend Cameron would wait all day during summer for you to get home to maybe go to the lake. Like we wouldn't even know if we were going, but we would be in our swimsuits. Like we would wait all day for you to get home at like four or five and then hope that we were going wake surfing. And usually we didn't like we'd go maybe three or four times a week, which is a lot, but like that's just all that we thought about. So like being able to do that every day now is super cool. That's probably my biggest accomplishment is because I just love wake surfing and like I love working at something that's so much fun. And yeah, I think that's my biggest accomplishment. Awesome. Well, say it one more time. Where where do people find you, whether it's Instagram, YouTube, your mm-hmm. course, whatever? Yeah, just Dylan Ayala on Instagram, YouTube, um, and then wakesurfschool.com for all my coaching stuff. Awesome. And once again, Dylan and I are doing a father-son mastermind, Mm -hmm. Lake Powell. It's at the end of September. We have uh, five spots left at this point. And we haven't even put it out to the public. So if you've got a son who is 10 years old or older, we'd love for you to join us. You can go to lakepowellmastermind.com or text me mastermind at 480-531-7519. What's your favorite part about the mastermind? I Obviously, I love wake surfing, but my favorite part is just hanging out like everybody being together it's cool to see um like dads with their sons and knowing that if i was one of those sons that's something that i would have remembered forever that's just a good memory like i just remember camping when i was little or going on the boat when i was little and that's like a core memory i think that creating that at lake Powell is super cool to see very cool well i had a ton of fun doing it with you Mm -hmm. um it's always fun working together with your kids and, and seeing your guys' giftings flow and, um, you know, just watching you coach, which I get to do that a lot, but watching you coach, I mean, even in Japan, we went to Japan and watching you coach these guys, um, is just amazing. But seeing you in that element with the the dads and their sons and, um, it, it just, it makes me happy that we get to do that together. So if you're interested in joining us again, go to lakepowellmastermind.com. Um, there's five spots left, so they're going to fill up fast. Yeah, I'm excited. Well, I'm excited to watch you and thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yep. If you found value in this episode and you know someone who's wanting to start or move further along in their journey toward investing for freedom, I would be forever grateful if you would share this show with them and help me get this message out to more listeners. Also, if you enjoy what you've heard, I would appreciate it if you'd take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and share this with your friends. And until the next episode, cheers to moving further along in your journey of investing for freedom.